The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with Caller Interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you ever used food, drinking to cover up depression, anger, panic? Have you ever worked too much? had a habit of checking your email or text too much, especially if you were nervous. If you've ever had problems with compulsive eating, drinking, while being intuitively porous or picking up someone's pain, today is your day because we're going to discuss food, mood, and intuitive addiction. Today's show is going to change your life because it's going to teach you how Everybody thinks that addiction is about drinking, eating, or smoking, but they don't realize the connection between addiction and covering up emotion and intuition we don't know what to do with. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and my name is Dr. Mona Lisa. Subscribe to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And during this show, we're doing readings, but understand this is a forum is educationally only, and it's not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. If you're in an emergency, please back away from the podcast and go directly to the emergency room I'm on Facebook Dr. Mona Lisa Instagram Dr. Mona Lisa one or name the social network and you're going to find me just add some perturbation of Dr. Mona Lisa you want to find more about my work go to in um, healthy awakening intuition the new feminine brain the intuitive advisor all is well to heal your mind and the upcoming book mystical molecules which is currently being edited So, how does addiction addiction numb our emotions and intuition? Well, in our brain and in our body, we have an addiction network, a group of pathways and molecules that are are connected to emotions and intuition. In our brain specifically, We have 
neurotransmitters. There's a great book by a neuroanatomist, neuropsychiatrist called The Feeling of What Happens. Also could be the intuition of what happens, but emotions and intuition are inextricably related. The Feeling of What Happens by Antonio Damasio. And he talks about every emotion has a prototypical action in our body. Fear makes muscles in our body spasm, shake. Anger makes muscles clamp down, like hypertension, the muscles clamp down. Sadness makes muscles droop. Think of when someone's sad, they droop forward. Love and joy makes muscles slightly excited and expand. Similarly, we can try to recreate emotions in our body by importing analogs or similarities to those neurotransmitters. So if you're feeling sad, you're like, I don't like this droopiness. So I want to feel alive. So I'm going to import stimulants. So I feel like I'm going to rise. So if you're slumping forward with a lack of dopamine and norepinephrine, you're going to, oh, I don't know, seek drama. Drama is norepinephrine, dopamine. I remember my Aunt Evie, just when she was getting tired, we called it adrenal fatigue. Adrenal glands, norepinephrine, excuse me, epinephrine. And just when you were getting tired at midday, she would turn on her stories because it was drama. And drama is an antidepressant because it's both dopamine and it's excitatory. So she'd turn on her stories, and so are the days of our lives. Da, 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 da. And just watching the other people, she'd get angry. She'd shake her fist at the TV show and she'd go, those no good dirty dogs. She'd get anger. And anger actually is an antidepressant. It gets you moving. It gets your juices moving. It's a stimulant. People would rather be mad than sad. And so frequently drama is an antidepressant. Now we don't do that. We get on Facebook or Instagram and we get good and mad at someone because they put on a um, little survey. If you agree, agree with the following, that puppies should be adopted, put a hot. So people go hot, hot, and you watch all the little hearts go up. Do you believe that you like cats better than dogs? Well, if you don't like cats, you go, hate cats, hate cats, hate cats. And so you get used to the drama of it. And so you're fighting, fighting, fighting. So if you're sad before you get on the Facebook, you're good and mad at all the people who like cats when you're a dog lover and you get your juices made. So how do people get addicted to Facebook? Well, they're sad. They go in there for the stimulant effects and they get all angry and aggravated. And it's a pick-me-up. So we have a network. There are areas in our brain for glutamate, which is a, a stimulant. I used to be addicted to Diet Coke. Diet Coke has excited toxins, glutamates in them. And just when I was working in a blood lab, you know, around 10 o'clock in the morning, what would I do? I'd go into the, um, the truck in the parking lot and I would get Diet Coke because you convinced yourself you weren't going to gain weight. Now we know that Diet Coke makes you gain weight, and I was never heavier than I was drinking Diet Coke all day long. 
but everybody was drinking Diet Coke and it created stimulants. Then, of course, there are other areas for dopamine, ventral tegmentum, and your brain stem. And that's when we all run over each other for chocolate. Yes, chocolate. Because chocolate is a stimulant. It's like cocaine. What do you have for breakfast? Cocaine. What do you have for lunch or dinner? Cocaine. Or you go to the truck for coffee. Stimulant, dark chocolate has more phenylethylalanine, which is dopamine. So if you're drooping and you're tired and you're depressed or sad, there's nothing like a pick-me-up like dopamine, chocolate, caffeine, or Diet Coke glutamate. But then, of course, then I did something else later on in between the Diet Coke. What would I do? i go running. I would pump up my neuro, I would pump up adrenaline because I would pump epinephrine into my muscles. So I would run seven in the morning. I get on a bike and do 21 miles on a bike at noon and then run five in the afternoon. We're not going to get into the excessiveness because running or exercise can be, of course, addictive. But of course, there is the aspect of setting a goal and accomplishing it. That has to do with work, it can do with education, and it's people who are very responsible. When they give themselves goals and they accomplish it, it can be in athletics, it can be at work. Responsibility addiction. When you accomplish something, you get opiates. It's like being addicted in a way to oxycodone. Yes, oxycodone. So when I first started running one mile, then three, then five, then seven, then nine, then 13. We're not going to get into how far I ran, but it was a trap because it was addictive. Because let's see how far I could do. There seemed to be no limits. It was not the concept of the runner's high per se. It was how far I could push the limits. And so running or rescuing, some people get into the trap of how much can I do? How many people can I save? How much can I accomplish? That's a famous song by the woman, Lady Gaga. She sang, I live for the applause, applause, applause. Whether you are addicted to rescuing, helping, you might call yourself the empath. This is where we start to get connected to intuition and addiction. Just because you intuitively pick up someone's problems, then you get into the habit, and there's a connection between intuition and habit, and there is an infinite number of people in the world who have problems because problems lead to solutions and solutions lead to acquiring skills. But just because you're intuitively keyed into people's problems, doesn't mean it's for you to find the solution because that's for them to find the solution and acquire the wisdom. You don't want to be a wisdom hog, do you? Well, it's been done. But suffice it to say, if you are a habitual rescuer, then you have a hyperactive responsibility gland and that carrying everybody's problems may 
cause your adrenal gland cortisol to run overtime and you to get heavy. There is a current problem in our society with weight problems that has led to Ozempic and other drugs for people to lose weight. Don't you love it? Now, Ozempic works on glucose, specifically GLP, which is glucagon peptide, which has to do with blood sugar levels, which has to do with leptin and so on. Now, what's important to know is you're like, well, that has nothing to do with addiction only. So, well, I understand you can be addicted to sugar. So I don't do any sugar and I'll just take my azempic and so everything will be lovely. Eh, wrong. And the reason being is this. The alcohol molecule and the sugar molecule, glucose molecule, are almost identical with the exception of the glucose molecule. You just stick a bunch of hydroxyl groups, OH groups on the, on the side, and you got alcohol, which is why there are a variety of ethnic groups, whether it's Latina, um, Native American, that you're either diabetic or you're alcoholic or both if you hit the daily double. So how could that be? Because, in fact, I know somebody genetically who has an allergy to both alcohol and carbohydrates because both of them have to do with liver metabolism. Isn't that amazing? Liver and pancreas. So you see, and alcohol is a sugar. So all roads lead to addiction. In medical intuition, addiction, responsibility, sugar, and weight is all third center. It has to do with self-esteem and responsibility, which then finally leads me Self-esteem, we all have to talk about narcissism, don't we? Because self-esteem are people who have extreme narcissism. Um, narcissists are people who have, and you can say, well, they have low self-esteem. Listen, because I said that aside, because though that may be true in a philosophical way, treating them by saying to the person who's narcissistic in the chair, now Johnny or Joanna, I know you feel very badly about yourself. I want you to know, I can't even say it with a straight face. I want you to know you're much better than you even can imagine. You are much more fantastic and brilliant than you are. Are you crazy? You're going you're gonna to create a bigger monster than they already are. This is ridiculous. However, I get the philosophy that they have an inflated sense of self because deep down, they are crushed. I get that. However, by trying to make them feel better about themselves, it, it, it blows up in your face. So that, that whole theory, I don't know how to fix that that way, but it doesn't work practically. It is, it is a lovely theory, but practically speaking, I don't know what to do that theory any more than trying to point to a cat, there's the fish over there, point, and they cannot follow your hands because practically speaking, they don't have the brain structure and neither does the narcissist by saying, you know, you really have low self-esteem. So I'm going to help you feel better about yourself. Are you crazy? It just makes it worse. People who tend to be attracted to narcissists tend to have low self-esteem and they feel bad about their body image. They have a history of abuse, sexual abuse, um, and so on. On the other hand, People who have been diagnosed by a health care or a mental health practitioner 
as having narcissistic traits. I'm just going to make it as clean as that. Have a inflated sense of self, inflated sense of ability, where someone has a low self-esteem, has a deflated sense of self. Okay? Well, they tend to have an underactive responsibility, and the person with a deflated sense of self, perhaps you, carries on as much responsibility as you possibly can. Go give, you give, you give, they take, they take, they take, and you get addicted to helping them. And let's just say they compulsively get used to taking. People in that inflated sense, they project an air of incredible charisma. They're charming, charismatic, attractive, and like a moth to a flame, you are attracted to that because somehow they've got some essence that you want, whether it's a sense of charisma, or opiates, you're attracted to that. It's like, um, I have neon signs in my house. Don't ask. It's not, you know, it's something. Some people like Jean Nate, some people like, you know, certain kinds of couches. I, however, like neon signs. It didn't occur to me. I used to think it was the, the little bugs coming out of the swamp and going through my screen windows. It wasn't. They were attracted to the neon signs. People with low self-esteem are attracted to the overly inflated light that a narcissist puts out. Unfortunately, like moths to a flame, you get burned out by trying to get close to this incredible being that you think is. But you don't realize that you're pumping up their light. You're funding their light on some level to feel, hopefully feel it will brush off. Why does that have to do with addicted? Because you're addicted to being around them. What kind of person would give and give and give and give compulsively? Because you're addicted to the borrowing opiates, eating off of their perceived self-esteem. getting close to the endorphins. That song, You're So Vain, you probably think the song is about you. Their vanity, somehow being close to them, makes you feel prettier. So you are medicating your sense of not lovable enough. And somehow... When we have habits, addiction, there's a whole biology about habits and addiction. An addiction can be a compulsion, a compulsive behavior or thought. And whenever you try to get rid of a habit, you have to substitute another one that's healthier. You can't just stop that, like Anita Bryant. See, you people, just don't do that. Stop it. Habit, you have to substitute a healthier one. So that's why 
I just remember somebody, she said, I'm addicted to carbohydrates. I don't do carbohydrates. I remember going to school with this person. So she sat there with a five pound bag. It was more than five pounds. And she ate carrots. She sat there and she ate carrots. And eventually she turned orange. She ate so many carrots. Well, first of all, carrots are filled with sugar. But she was obviously coming up some emotion and swigging off of the sugar of the carrots. But suffice it to say, she was replacing one habit with another. If we, our self-worth and self-esteem is so fragile that we need to acquire it through being adjacent to someone else who has an overly inflated one, we have to somehow get other habits that make us feel better about ourselves that are healthier. That's not to say that addiction like to alcohol or to cocaine, let's just get another addiction like to gambling that actually happens or to sex. You can see that people do the similar thing. Those are called cross addictions. But people eventually get healthier habits, substitutions, like, um, but learn with a sponsor to keep them in check, check so like weeds in the garden, they don't get overgrown. Like they may um, do meditation balanced with exercise. In DBTS, Dialectic Behavioral Therapy Substance, they have something called the Adult Pleasant Activities Scale. And there's a bunch of stuff that gives you opiates, but you have to do a variety of them that release opiates, endorphins, and other things in check. You don't do one of them and run amok. You have to do multiple things, like some things with your family, some things with relationships, some things with money, some things with work. Yeah, you see the pattern. I'm doing chakras. You have to have them in multiple distributed environments. And addiction tends to go in one category and parasite the rest of your life. That's what, for some people, addiction is. It's for gambling. It takes up all your money and takes your time away from family, first center, mate, second center, work, third center, children and parents, fourth center, so that it actually parasites the rest of your life. You have no time for anything else. But by substituting a habit, habits in all the other areas, nothing can really become addicted or a habit, obsession to its exclusion of other areas. But if you're using a substance or a behavior to cover up an emotion or intuition you can't handle, which is another definition for addiction, you have to learn how to regulate fear, anger, sadness, love, and joy. Learn how to name them. Name what caused the emotion to trigger. But name what your intuition is saying. If it's first in your body, and it's like a um, dashboard. You may not know what emotion you're feeling. You may only know, oh, that's my joint hurting me again. It's going ding, twing, twing, twing. It's spasming. So you have to find out what emotion that means to you. What is it signaling? So you can name the emotion, name the prompting, name what 
thought goes along with it. I'm right, they're wrong, things should be different. There's no way my boss should be talking to me that way. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. That's obviously anger. And then you'll learn how an effective way of handling it so you can respond effectively and release it. That's mindfulness. And someone with DBT can teach you how to do it. You can also use some supplements and remedies to stabilize the pathways in your brain and body so those the addiction network doesn't get too out of control. So that is food, mood, and intuitive addiction. I'm going to open it up to questions. We have a bunch of people here on the line. Does anybody have any questions? And obviously, before you have a question, raise your hand and take yourself off of mute. I could talk all day about this topic. It's not just about, well, addiction is about this molecule and that molecule. Um, hold on a second before we get to, um, we're going to talk to Annalita. She wasn't here last week. I think she was going, she was out drinking. Annalita was out drinking. That's what she was. I know her. I know her kind. She goes out drinking. She goes out in the bender every two weeks. Then she comes in. She's all over the place drooling. How can I be of help, Annalie? To take you, um, ask to unmute you. How can I be of help? Okay. So, incidentally, she does not go on a bend. I'm just making that up because if she did, why would I say it on a podcast? So funny. Anyways, um, you're welcome to make fun of me anytime. I think a good laugh doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I understand that for the production of uh, neurotransmitters, it takes protein. Um, you talked about carbs, pardon me, that I redirect towards protein. Digestion. Um, I understand that I have an issue with caseine digestion. So I'm trying to identify what would be uh, worth a consideration in how to provide easily digestible protein with a permeable um, you know, large intestine uh, gut lining, uh, etc. I'm happy to keep talking if need be. Okay, first of all, caffeine is a substitute for a stimulant. Caseine, caseine. Oh, caseine, like milk. Caseine. Milk. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. So sitting here going, I don't understand what the hell she's saying. So you have a lactate allergy? Caseine. Caseine, however you pronounce that. How does it present to you? How do you know that you have a caseine allergy? Um, I did a... I did a test a few years ago, and um, I'm trying to get a hold of an excessive amount of production of phlegm respiratory-wise. Could be allergies, Florida environmentally, um, but I, I definitely feel a connection to dairy as well, unfortunately, because I like dairy. Oh, I get it. It's whey. 
you're allergic to the whey in milk. Is it the whey though? Because actually whey is recommended if you can't do the casein because its molecule of protein is too large. I was just researching that earlier to see. I was told the other day that the casein molecule, that, that milk, like dairy protein molecule is 20 times larger than breast milk protein molecule, which I thought was very interesting. So it's much harder for the cow milk protein molecule diameter, 20 times larger than mother's breast milk protein molecule diameter. So hence cow milk, as we typically all know, is harder to digest for a human and is not so much recommended. Um, but you know, you need to provide enough protein structures to have enough substance to have neurotransmitters made. Yes? Yes. And, and then the catalysts, of course, which I also understand I benefit from the intake of B6 and its further forms of 5P5 as well as uh, it, 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 it escapes me. And digestive-wise, I do not have a tendency towards a lack of stomach acid. So I can dial it all back to like, you know. Have you always had this problem? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, not that you think so. You know no, so. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had inflamed, chronically infected, inflamed tonsils as a kid, and they operated because they said these are short. <laughs> so, and then somebody twenty years later, she told me, "Oh, all your mother would have needed to do is like take you off dairy." I'm like, "Oh, great news!" So, do you me. have hives? No. Do no. you have rashes? No. No. Do you have um? So what I want you to do. I did have. May I? I? No, no, wait a minute. Hold on. I understand the concept of intolerance. And I want to understand the difference of allergy. And they're two separate things. Because. I've, I've never understood those two. I do. Yes. Okay. Because if you have a problem with intolerance meaning that your body under stress gets aggravated by it. Mm-hmm. Like when you're not feeling good during the holidays, you, you don't do well with being seated by Uncle Irving. Not by this what? year. Not this year. I can't handle being sat next to that uncle. Maybe next year when I'm doing better, but not this year. When you're not feeling good, eating a certain food puts you over the edge. That's intolerance. But under the best circumstances, you can eat it. Versus allergy is when it's a whole hypersensitivity reaction with IgE. You eat it once and then your eosinophils or some lymphocyte gets entrained by it. And the next time you take it, you get get a certain reaction. And that's what I'm trying to find out because the symptoms I just talked about, hives, vomiting, you're talking about other subtler things that could be due to other things. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to a garden variety, not a holistic, 
I want you to go to a garden variety immunologist who will stick casein under your skin. And if it forms a wheel, like an inflated hive, then that tells you. If it doesn't, it's an intolerance. Because the reason why it's a very big deal, because it's if it's an intolerance, and I get a feeling it is, you have intolerances to other foods as well. And once you remove one food that you're intolerant and another, they're like weeds in the garden, that your immune system becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. And you also emotionally can get more and more sensitized, like physical, sensitized physically to people. And so you lose the network of tolerance, just like T suppressor cells dampen the immune response. There are regulatory networks in your brain that dampen the emotional intuitive response to certain people. Just like it dampens response to certain noise and light, flashing noise and irritate irritants in general. So there are emotional irritants, there are intuitive irritants, and there are food irritants. They're not true allergens, they're mm -hmm. irritants. Mm -hmm. So when I clean the kitty litter, it irritates me, but I'm not allergic to it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not feeling good and I have a cold, I don't clean the litter because it's going to put me over the edge. Do you get it? Mm -hmm. I skipped that day. Mm -hmm. So my point is, I want you to go to an immunologist and she'll, he or she will do a check and they'll stick a little bit of casein underneath your skin. If you get a weak, and they, I think they have like a range of one to four of sensitivity. If you get a hive there, that says you're wildly allergic. If you get a plus one, that means you're a little sensitive. But I get a feeling that you have a lot of ones sensitive to a lot of things. If you keep avoiding ones, then you're going to be intolerant to a lot of things. For example, I'm, quote, allergic to cats. I live with four cats. I'm allergic to mold. And we're talking asthma. Like I cannot breathe. Mm -hmm. So for me to keep, the way that I keep this stuff in check, I live with cats and it's called provocative normalization, meaning I'm trying to be normal. I subject my white cells to them so that my T suppressor cells stay strong. I also subject myself to annoying people <laughs> and I, cl I clean the kitty litter, even though it's hard. Do you understand? So now there are a lot of reasons why someone can have. So a kid who has ear infections then loses their tonsils. I know, just listen. That then gets bronchitis and then tends to get asthma and then gets cough equivalent asthma as an adult and then sinusitis as an adult, chances are, and is sensitive and empathic, there's going to be a lot of things you're intolerant to. 
you can be you can be chasing the casins of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I say that is because if you remove more and more things you're intolerant to, you're gonna be. Um, you're going to get more and more food. You're going to have trouble with not absorption per se, but you're not going to get a wide range of nutrients. Mm -hmm. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, deficiency. Mm -hmm. Yes, because you're not going to get enough Mm -hmm. diversity of uh, virus, diversity of diet. Mm -hmm. And people who eat the same thing over and over again, that's a well-known cause, you know, of food allergies. And mm-hmm. I know I used to do that all the time. I would find something that t- worked for me and then I would eat that over and over again. And then of course, then that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. Does you, you understand what I'm saying? So I don't buy the casein for whatever reason. I'm not saying it doesn't give you problems. When did it really start coming to the forefront? Again. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. I know the answer, incidentally. There's something you wanted that was a conflict with. There's something you really were hoping for. It was a dream. And you're very positive about. But it didn't happen. There's someone near you who's very nurturing and you're very intuitive. But somehow... It's in a family, and it didn't come to be. has to do something with your vocation or work. Work is supposed to give us a sense of belonging, intellect, and somehow it hasn't come to pass. What do you do for work? Yeah, my favorite, not to want to give the answer. Educated in many things, not active right now. Well, I'm telling you right now, Mm-hmm. Casein is milk and milk is nurturing. Mm-hmm. Your, your mind is not your friend. It's a neighborhood that shouldn't be traveled with at night in dock. Mm-hmm. You need to take all those IQ points and target them in the day so they're nice and exhausted. So at night, they're not going around in circles. So there was something you were planning on doing that got the kibosh. Do you understand? And that bothered you. Gut is third center is work. Yeah. So if I were you, that may be something you have to do alone that you may not get someone's agreement about. They may have feelings about. And that's going to go into the category of too bad. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. But sometimes there's my dance space and your dance space. But just because you have irritation with a certain food doesn't mean it's just the food. It could be first center families where we live and people behind us supposed to give us a sense of safety and security and a sense of belonging. 
It could be that your immune system is wound up telling you that um, the environment around which you want to work is irritated. Do you understand? Because our GI tract is part third center work, but it's also first center immune system. So you're just thinking about all the food that's there, but you don't think about the fact that there are lymphocytes, pious patches, all through your GI tract. Go ahead. You got to stop working, Missy. Not because you have to work, because that mind is not a neighborhood to travel at night. Someone recently said I should just retire. And I went, no. And they said, why? And I said, because. Because this is for what God keeps me alive for. Mm-hmm. What would you do if I said I'm retiring, I'm not doing readings anymore or teaching? What would you say? You'd get hysterical, right? I would say, please don't. Well, I, I think that that's a quick way to die. Mm-hmm. Die or dement or both. Die in, Well, dement then die. For me, it's the reasons why. I mean, the last time I was in the hospital, I was teaching right before I went into the OR. And if I have a voice, I return calls. The only reason why I didn't return calls is because, number one, I had swelling around the area, which was C2 to C4. Then I have a voice and then I got COVID and I lost my voice again. I couldn't breathe. So that was, you know, like a good month and a half, which was very upsetting to me. I was more upset in the fact that I couldn't speak and return calls than about having COVID and not being able to breathe. Now that's pretty warped, but I'm just saying, I think it affects your self-worth and self-esteem. And though you may be, your self-esteem to get... is really surrounded by your work and your intellect. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's like saying Leonardo da Vinci was so too focused on that damn art. He's got to put down the art, go home and focus on the family, the fam. That's ridiculous. Leonardo da Vinci was put on the earth. It wasn't like the Sistine Chapel was an addiction. That was his calling. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a compulsion. You're too... Focus on that damn ceiling. Put down that paintbrush. No. (laughs) That was what he was put on this earth to do. Your work is your calling. It feeds you opiates. You are torn. God forbid anybody get in the way of that. So they're going to have to understand or they're going to hear me sing, how do you solve a problem like Maria Maria from The Sound of Music? How do you catch a wave upon the sand? They will cease to have you. So you're getting sick to your stomach because that which feeds you cannot keep you alive. And so your mind will not be, will make you sick. You keep thinking it's the casein. It will be one thing after another, after another, after another. Because your situation isn't completely feeding you. And they'll say, what more do you need? Well, guess what? And then they'll say, well, I'm trying to help you. Well, I hate to say this. Good luck. 
it will be one thing. You move, go ahead. You move the case and go ahead. You go, girl. And then it'll be something else and something else and something else until you're sitting in Santa Fe eating braised celery and sauteed water. Go ahead. And when I say that, people don't understand that. When I say braised celery, there's nothing there. And sauteed water, meaning it's just water and celery. There's nothing. Good luck. You take it easy. Anybody else? Nobody has anything. I got applesauce for dinner here. <laughs> I love my applesauce. It's organic. There's no sugar added. Can I ask a question? Yes. Yes. Hold on a second. Kathy, how how can I be of help, Kathy? Um, yeah, I wondered if you could give me some help with a do you woman. Do you know that you look like, I probably said it before, you look like the millionaire matchmaker? I don't know what that is. The millionaire matchmaker is um, this woman. You actually look like her four seasons ago. Um. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I I, I know, well, more like that I would be good at that kind of a job. She's very good. <laughs> hilarious. She's actually hilarious. They get a lineup and she gets all these people um, to go out with this person. And she makes right. them sign something to make sure they're not gold diggers, meaning they're not trying to just get someone mm -hmm. who has a lot of money. And she'll say, okay, first of all, I don't know why you do your hair that way. Get it out of that bun, let it go down. It looks so much better. And she says, what are you thinking? Why do you have shoes like that? Do you understand that makes you look so unflattering? She's making them look and feel better about themselves. She's incredible. She says, you're so smart and beautiful. What are you doing? Yeah. She is fabulous. But anyway, how can I be of help? I don't know if I'm fabulous, but. Kathy, you look like her and you sound like, Kathy, how old are you? I'm really old. I'm 65. Kathy. That's old. That's really old. You don't want me to find you, drive up your driveway, <laughs> <laughs> and to quote, to quote the mother on Moonstruck, kick you till you're dead. <laughs> no, you don't, okay? So... How can I be of help? Say it again. So you're 65, Kathy. Go ahead. I'm 65, and I just got this wound. And I've never, like, ever not healed from, from something like this. And I can't get this thing to heal. And it's been going on for, like, two or three months. And it gets worse, then it gets a lot better, and then it gets bad again. I mean, it's it's slowly not getting as bad when it when it dips. And it's starting to kind of recover. But um, I don't want to go to the doctor. You have to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor. That's too bad. That goes in the, I want you to get an 11 by 13 inch file folder and a Sharpie and label it too bad. <laughs> and inside you put things that are too bad. I'm not kidding you. So I can't heal it myself. Can a baby deliver themselves? I just, I don't want them to. I, well, I know there's lots of things you don't want. <laughs> Do you think that I, there's a lot of things I want? No. Right. I'd like to be five foot eight. It's not happening this life. <laughs> and by the way, 
by, well, that gives, you do the reading. First of all, I see a family. Family is supposed to make us feel safe, secure, and give us a sense of belonging. I see a situation in a family where you either cut ties or you uprooted, you left them. What you do daily for work doesn't use all of your gifts, talents, and skills. And there's a hierarchy. There's someone on the top and you feel controlled when there are chains. I look at your head, something different about your eyes. I can't figure out if they're red, there's pressure behind them or what that is. I look at your neck, I look at your thyroid. You build fluid up in your body. It feels edematous. I look at your left chest wall, right chest wall. Your chest seems asymmetrical. One side looks bigger than the other. The left side looks bigger than the right. I look at your heart. I see a stiffness in your arteries. I wonder whether it's they have a hard time maintaining stable pressure. Many of this you may not know because you don't like to go to doctors. <laughs> I look at your esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder. Yep. Wait a minute, don't say anything. Esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I wonder if you have trouble with abdominal distension, bloating, metabolism, and blood sugar maintenance. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder. Uterus, left ovary, right ovary, and cervix if you still have them. I look at the joints in your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I see a change in sensation in some of your extremities. I see some of the joints in your extremities distorted. I look at your neck, upper back, lower back, and sacral areas. I wonder if it's hard for you to move your lower back. It's difficult for you to stand from a chair. Can you please tell me your other health concerns? Well, you've named probably some of them. What are they? Getting up and down is getting hard. Um, I do have just some joint problems, like in my fingers, like kind of bulging knuckles now. Not, 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 yeah, a little bit. And then... Probably the, I think you said something about the arteries. Maybe that could be happening. Do you have problems with distension? Um, no. Do you have problems with blood? Wait a minute. Do you have problems Blo with blood pressure? Bloating. Bloating. Yeah, I know, bloating. Hold on a second. Do you have problems with blood pressure? I used to. Yeah. Used to. Are you on blood pressure medicine? Like, I could tell my arm would get numb sometimes. And Okay. Yeah. Um, and you have abdominal oh, distension. Tingling. 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 Do you yeah. have abdominal distension and bloating? Much better than it used to be. It, not as much. No, not as much. 
that used to be the only problem I had. Then everything else kind of kicked in and that I mentioned. And then the 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 bloating stopped for some reason. I was glad though. <laughs> Do you did. have trouble with sensation in your lower extremities, your feet? No. Mm-mm. Where is the wound that has trouble healing? Yeah. Well, that's it's kind of in an embarrassing place. And is it in your rear end? No, no, no. It's just in the uh, where the leg meets the torso in the groin. In, I guess it's your like groin. It's in your groin area, so it is near your. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. If you could lose weight, how much would you lose? Oh, I need to lose weight. Yeah. Do you have problems with blood sugar maintenance? I used to. I used to. I, I, I'm much better because I used to like not eat much. I'd like skip meals and I was just all over the place. But now I'm just very regular about meals. And so, yeah, I don't have that problem. Um, How much weight would you want to lose? Well, it's like, I just always kind of get heavier in the lower part of my body. Everything else is fine to me. It's just like my hips are always a little. To you, to, to you, how much would another, uh, somebody else want you to lose? I don't know. I, I don't really, that doesn't, I'm not sure. I've always been very athletic, so sometimes it doesn't show like, the reason why this is really important, yeah, you really have to get this checked because it's either that the place has been denervated. Remember me saying it's a problem with sensation in your lower extremities? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, either the place doesn't have accurate, adequate n- nerves, and nerves help skin repair, mm-hmm. okay? Or the problem you have with metabolism, blood sugar in the past, is still kind of a problem because people who have that kind of problem get sores and infections. Mm-hmm. Because, because yeast grows, especially in places where there are folds. Mm-hmm. And that's a place where there's a fold. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it 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 started when I get stressed. You know, I get I it'll start like as a boil because I've always had like. Kind I of understand st- that, but boy, when you get stressed, your anxiety, yeah, goes to your adrenal gland. Your adrenal gland takes whatever body fat you do have, converts it via progesterone the cortisol, and makes you immunocompromised. Uh-huh. I'm not saying you're diabetic, but people who are diabetic have problems with metabolism. I can't give you a diagnosis, so I say problems with metabolism, blood sugar, and insulin. So when they get stressed, and I can't, I don't like that word because it's too general. Anxiety is a word for stress or frustrated, angry anxious, the cortisol goes up and their blood sugar gets messed up. And also when you get stressed, anxious, angry, cortisol goes up, which is like being on steroids. 
your white cells don't work as well. You get immunocompromised and bugs, bacteria overgrow, especially in your skin. And you're more likely to get these wounds and it's harder for them to grow, um, to, to repair. Well, this one's definitely different. I've never, never not healed. You need to get it, or you really need to get it checked because you really need to get it checked. Because the the larger, how big is it? Um, it's not very big. It, and, you know, it's starting to heal around it as well. Like it must have gotten infected. Mm -mm. You're not a dermatologist, dermatologist, are you? No, but my did dad. You do was, a, did you do a surgical rotation in dermatology? No, but my dad was a doctor. And when he. Got, I, that's yes, but you weren't in the surgery with him. Yeah, but when he got home, like. You know, he didn't want to hear about anything. Can like, I tell you something? Yes. You're not a dermatologist. No, I know you? I'm not. I'm I just know. saying, though, that I know, but but the thing kind is, of environment it makes you like self treat a lot because yes, and that and that would be an error, right? Sometimes it could no, be. it is an error, and I'll tell you. You want me to tell you why? I've been self treating a long time. I hope. It's yeah, not right. And the reason is, first of all, I know. Because I've had non-healing ulcers on my feet. Oh. And <laughs> just because of the area that you see is open, you don't know how deep that is, Missy. I thought that my ulcer in my foot was just like a little, you know, quarter of an inch. It wigged me out that it was there for 14 months, but it was a quarter of an inch. Oh my gosh, 14 months? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. But by the time it started to heal, it, did, it healed by something called primary or secondary intention. It was deep. Oh, my gosh. I used hyperbaric oxygen. So you're going to get it evaluated <sighs> because you don't know how deep that puppy is. Can I just, like, walk into the clinic? Can I, can I just throw a shoe at you? No. <laughs> I can't because walk you into the clinic? Can I, can I tell you? No. You can't no. because you don't know the cause of it. No, the clinic. Can I which, just walk into to a which, clinic? Which one? Um, the one in town. Listen, I don't have a doctor up here. I, I know that because I went to the emergency room first, and then they sent me to a tissue clinic. Oh my gosh! Yes, it's more involved than that. You have to find out why you have this. Because you have to find that you can't just scotch tape it together. I usually do, though. That's what I'm saying. And guess what? I hate to sound like Dr. Phil. How's that working for you? Well, it's, you, it, like I said, it, it has always worked, but it's not. But not, it's not working. Right. The, the answer would be it's not working for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you have to find out do you have a nerve problem there, neuropathy? Do you have um, some problem with, well, let me ask you a question. Did you ever have a, um, what do you call it? And depending on where it is, did you ever have those things where the tissue opens up and you get a. Um, oh, no, no, no. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Can you name it for me? Because whenever I can't name something, I've seen those pictures and I just. People, people's mind connects I can't get those pictures out of my. I can't I, get people's those mind. Okay. What's it called? 
Hernia. I don't know what it's called, but I can't get those pictures out. Have of you head. ever had a hernia? No. You don't. First of all, you're going to go see a doctor because the reason why the longer it's there, you don't know how it's they're going to fix it. Whether they can sew it together. I knew you were going to say that. Did did I say that they're going to sew it together? So no, they, I, I just I know so that then you're going to ask Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, why couldn't they sew yours together? Mona Lisa, why couldn't they sew yours why, together? Why couldn't they sew yours together? Because that's not the treatment. Because the treatment is hyperbaric oxygen. I went and got hyperbaric oxygen. Guess what? It grew from the bottom up. And that's how I learned it was deep and wide. The thing was two inches wide and it was so deep. And I'm like, oh my God. The luck was that hyperbaric oxygen fixed it. So I don't know what your problem is. Mm -hmm. But just you can't sew it up because the tissue around it isn't yeah. healthy. Yeah. If you try well, to sew it, then it. Yeah. But the area I live in, they're probably going to try to like excise the whole area and try can to I get tell you? stimulate it to heal. And, and I do don't you live. Do you live in um, Papua New Guinea? Do you live in Papua New Guinea? It's almost close to it. Papua New Guinea. It's close. I'm telling you. <laughs> can I tell you something? You're smart. There's nothing you can do to convince me that you're not smart. You're smart and discerning. And your father was a dermatologist. What was he? What kind of doctor? He was a heart specialist. Oh, there you go. So he understands about tissue perfusion, right? Yeah. And, okay, fine. So your DNA and your genetics is smart. So you're not stupid. So if they go in and they say to you to do something and it doesn't sound smart, which they did I'm to not me. I arrived and this individual, I said, can I see a practitioner who's very, <laughs> who's very trained with long spinal fusions? I gave him the whole list of medical issues because I'm what we call a train wreck. doctor. <laughs> well, and also I'm a train wreck that, you know, I wouldn't present me to someone who didn't have a lot of training. So I arrived mm -hmm. and they give me this assistant and I look at them and go, did I not say not to give me this kind of person with an assistant? I would have uh -huh. a breakdown if I was a medical student and, and someone like me kind of like walked in. I know. And guess what I did? I said, this has been lovely. No offense. And they said, well, they're very trained. And I said, trust me. Once they give me a diagnosis, gets on my chart, Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield is never going to get it out of their mind. So I walked out. And I went to another. Mm -hmm. Actually, I went to a podiatrist. And she mm. gave the accurate diagnosis. She said to Cuba, this ulcer. But you can't go to a podiatrist because your area is not the foot. No, no. Maybe a gynecologist. No. That's not in your hoo-ha. No, <laughs> you have to go to a... Or a urologist? No. No. You have to go to an abdominal surgeon. Abdominal. A general surgeon because it's in the abdomen area. So you make sure it has nothing to do with some kind of hernia or something. They will know because they're used to abdominal. Oh, wounds. that's okay. Now I know why you're talking about See, hernia. now you get it? Yeah. They're used to abdominal wounds and they'll take, they can say this is or it's not a hernia. And they'll say, if it's not a hernia, oh, you need to go to blah, blah, blah. Are you following me? But mm -hmm. you, you, you asked me three words. And the answer is don't fool around. Go to the doctor. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. It's getting better. 
If it were getting better, you wouldn't have brought it up. Well, it's just ah! if it's you wouldn't have brought it up if your intuition was telling you because me you you want vitamin R. You know what vitamin R is? I want to be able to just sit no and no rest. vitamin R is reassurance and it's an addiction. It's like clonazepam. <laughs> it's like alcohol. You don't want an addiction because your intuition is letting you know this is to be concerned. So what you want to do is. That's the sh- today's show. You want to cover up your intuition. You want me to give you a poultice of reassurance, which is the same thing as alcohol or Valium, and I'm not doing it. Would Sorry. you recommend like rest? Would they recommend rest? Not that I could. I'm just wondering. You've it's- lost your marbles. That, oh, that's like anesthetizing you. Why don't we just give you propofol? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's why Michael Jackson died. Are you kidding? No, Let's just put you to no. sleep. No, no, we're not. That is just sedating you so you don't feel the anxiety. There's a reason why you feel anxiety. Anxiety is an important emotion, fear. It lets us know we could, might be in danger. You don't like that. That's your intuition as well. It lets us know that something might be in danger. Go. That's one of the warnings of this, this podcast. If you have a health problem, go directly to the doctor. Yeah. I love you. I knew that you. I just, like I just can't. You know, it's just Patty like, Stanger is her name. She's like, it's like. Do you know how hard it's going to be? Though, like, do you know how huh? hard it's going to be to keep them on track? Can you I know? tell you something? Uh, it's it's like, not as hard as getting you to get help because you have avoidance. So that means you truly do have anxiety, which means you must have the intuition of Patty Stanger, the medical matchmaker. Do me a favor. Uh, Oh, I know. No, I'd be really good. If you did know, you wouldn't be scared to go to the doctor. If you did know, you you knew that if you went to the doctor, they'd say that there's nothing to worry about. The fact is you don't know. So therefore, you don't want to go. No, it's just that I just... I don't feel like you say just when you say, listen, I've had a lot of medical problems. The best way to fix it is to go. And they'll either say, this is nothing to worry about. Or they'll say, we got to fix it until then you're looking for vitamin R reassurance, which is the same thing as addiction, which is alcohol. I'm not doing it to you. You know why? Cause I don't, this is a terrible thing to podcast. I don't do blowjob readings. Blowjob (laughs) readings are, what a lot of intuitives do. They tell people what they want to hear. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a sed- sedative. You will meet the love, your love of your life. You'll win the lottery. It's addictive. It's hypnotic. Yeah. I won't do it. I will tell the truth, the best that I hear. A blowjob reading. Yeah, Just no, I, I think it makes you feel good, but it doesn't yield anything. Well, see, I never get that impression when I go to the doctors. They don't tell you. They, I don't feel like they tell me feeling. What's feeling up? is half, and thinking is the other part of the brain. Between both of them, you get the whole solution. I'm not sure. All I know is you, uh, to your perception, and I think it makes sense. You got a hole there. <laughs> if they say. There's no hole. It's in your. It's the hole is in your head. Then, but that's not what you're telling me. Are they saying, "Ma'am, there's no hole in there. You need a. You need to get your head examined. What you need is a CAT scan of your head." No, that's not what they're saying. So, therefore, you need to get that hole evaluated. What would you like me to say? This is this is the key. 
No, no. Well, how much would you no, respect me if I say, no, no, hold on a second. Would you respect me if I said, the hell's nothing. Wait for it to be about two feet deep before <laughs> you see colon. <laughs> if the colon starts to wave at you, then I, yeah, mm. no. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. I'm saying get it checked. Yeah. Because your intuition is screaming and because it's something to be worried about. Yeah. That is a standard thing. That's what your intuition and your eyes are saying it. You know, I'm your like, intuition. you know, I have a patient here in the house. Like, I don't know how to get out of this house to go do anything. You know what? Guess what? If that thing gets septic and dies. No, I know. I know. I know what sept sepsis is. I know. Yeah, good. So you know what? To help your patient, I'll appeal to your codependence. Get someone to be, sit with them. I can't nurse find anyone. Go. You know, that's the other thing. I can't find anyone to come in here. And, and I just tell you, this has her. all been very lovely. I have applesauce to go to. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I think there's some millionaire matchmaker reruns that are to be attended to. <laughs> this has been very lovely. I want to thank you for welcoming you to your day. That's a great addiction. Vitamin R reassurance. You have a great day. Live well. Be brilliant. Live right. See you next week. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on The Next Room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.